Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Kudzu Vine. It's January first, uh, January fourteenth, two thousand eighteen. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Join me as always. Welcome, Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome, Tim Shivlet. Good evening, sir. Yes. Well, guys, again, it's the three of us. No guest. Um, uh, surprising to no one. At least one of the people we were thinking about having on. Uh, was under the weather. If I start coughing before I can throw one of these cough drops in my mouth, I've been under the weather. It seems like everywhere I've heard flu epidemic is at epidemic proportions. Um, have y'all made it through pretty unscathed, Catherine, Tim? Yep, I have. Not yeah, I'm wood. fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Good for y'all. Um, but, yes, yeah, been getting a lot of different folks. Um, and, and then just to follow up on last week, we had a long discussion on um, Fire and Fury, the, the new book, I guess, number one bestseller. And it's, I had no idea. Um, I put in for it on the Overdrive app. Long story, I'll get into all that. Um, from the New York Public Library System. And I was 50th in line. And I put in for it maybe a week ago. And so just on Friday, or maybe it was Thursday, sometime late in the week, I got a notice saying that I was up, I could, I could um, get it. And so I've listened to about five of 12 parts so far. And, guys, I, I feel like I should take notes as I listen and listen to a chapter at a time and then go to a discussion group, and that way I might could uh, digest and retain all of the stories that come out of this thing. This thing is, is something to read. So um, when y'all do get a chance to get a hold of it, it's, to me, worth the time. Y'all heard any more about okay. it um, in y'all circles? Uh, yeah, some of my friends are reading it. Um, I haven't really delved into it with anyone yet, but um, I know people are reading yeah. it. So I yeah. ordered him. I've ordered it. It's on the way that was they told me uh, like six weeks. This was a couple of weeks ago, so I should get yeah, it within that, a month, it, hopefully. Goodness, that, that's what it's like, though, and um, just kind of following up there. But then here's the thing. We started the week, and I figured we'd talk about some, you know, different races and different things going on, some other things we've had on the back burner. Through the week, that seemed like a plan. And then, of course, late in the week, uh, Donald Trump made a little bit of international news. Can't say he made, um, you know, domestic news, made international news. When referring to immigration, talking about which people come to America, he wonders why we can't get more Norwegians. I don't know why he thinks Norwegians want to come to America so bad and that there's so many extra of them, um, that there's some demographic trends worldwide that – um, could be a part of the discussion that most people know, and I don't know why our president doesn't know. But instead, we get people from Bleephole 
countries, and he was referring to Haiti and Africa when he said this. And to the surprise of virtually no one, this uh, came as an outrage and a shock, and people were offended. The Congressional Black Caucus immediately said this shows um, his total racial insensitivity. Um, Don Lemon, uh, he didn't care what happened to Jamel Hill. He went ahead and just said the president's a racist. Um, some Republicans, not as many as we would think, but a few uh, might have rebuked him, but a lot have come to his defense. Um, it's just sobering to think how he reacts to other nations and, and what Donald Trump does to uh, America and the American brand around the world. Um, Catherine, your thoughts? It's just horrifying. I mean, the man is an embarrassment. And, you know, not that we, there was much additional evidence that we needed, but now we know for sure that he's a, rave, a raving racist. And it's just shocking. I, 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 I just, I, I can't even begin to think what goes through someone's mind that they can, A, that he's the president, A, that he can use language like that in a public meeting, and B, that he would say something like that. And, and of course, well, I'm sure we'll get into the aftermath afterwards, so I won't men- mention that. But it's just, it's just shocking. I mean, it's not really surprising, right? We all, we all know, I think we all know that this is the kind of, these are the kind of beliefs that he holds. But for for him to say it, it's just it's just horrifying. I can't I can't even begin to I can't I don't know what else to say about it, but that it's horrifying and disgusting. Yeah, it just and and shameful. A new nightmare. I mean, it's yeah, you know, every day is a new nightmare. But this one was just beyond the pale. Yeah. Tim, uh, I'm going to kind of uh, structure something else before I let you lead into it. Um, three Republicans that, that I've heard about that I thought were very pertinent in this discussion, Mia Love, Congresswoman from Utah, she came out and denounced Donald Trump after she heard this. Um, Michael Steele reacted vehemently. He says this you know, is just another piece in the puzzle. Donald Trump is a racist. Um, you know, Michael's still pretty, you know, moderate Republican, but just does not mind um, coming out against Donald Trump at all. This is the former RNC chair. And then finally, Tim Scott, uh, the only African-American senator from South Carolina, he, what I've seen reported, he went to Lindsey Graham, who was in the meeting, and asked Lindsey Graham, you know, what was said. And Lindsey Graham confirmed to him that this was said, because it was, I, I understand, like, a very much, like, please tell me, you know, very personal to him, you know, what went down here. Um, if you're an African-American Republican, and this is yet another thing to happen, you know, what do you do? Oh, boy, is that a good question. Uh so far, none of them have jumped up to defend Trump uh, at all. Uh, I, I, I don't. I, I that that really puts them uh, between a rock and a hard place. I mean, what? Do you, of course, Trump does that to his whole party uh, constantly. Something we'll address in a few minutes, but. It seems like every time we turn around, instead of doing something, 
uh, passing some legislation, working on something. We're talking instead about something Donald Trump said. That seems to be driving the whole wagon up there. Maybe that's the way Trump wants it. I mean, you, we, we've talked about before that, you know, he he wants it all to be about him. Well, this is certainly all about him. But how could this be interpreted by anyone other than a racist statement? What uh, what What is unbelievable is is these people that say, well, no, it didn't happen. Uh, right on cue from Trump. What uh, none of them saying it didn't happen until he said it didn't happen. Now, all of a sudden, it didn't happen, and Dick Durbin's the bad guy. I, I don't know. I just We go round and round with this guy, and we're going to keep going round and round with this guy because this guy's going to lead us round and round, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just don't understand how – um, any I mean, pretty much it, it skews and, and kills your credibility. I mean, if you you're David Perdue and you've now just come out, oh, it just it, I don't. It's not I didn't recall he didn't say it. He didn't say it. Um, it, it, to me, it just he has no credibility. Only the hardcore, you know, twenty five percent of the Republican base that's still with Donald Trump, just no matter what, those folks might buy it. But anybody that you need to pick up. Uh, and, and I think a lot of those folks probably know it wasn't true. They just don't want to say it. Um, it, it just kills his credibility, and, and eventually he's going to have to come up for election. And, Catherine, what do you think You know, Georgia voters are going to think since he seems to be one of Donald Trump's biggest supporters? <laughs> By then, you know, who knows what will happen between now and then. Mm-hmm. I mean, he isn't up till 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no one will remember that. It will be. Well, I mean, yeah, but you know how, you know how mail pieces are. Mail pieces well, love to pick up things that you've never heard about or forgot about and and use that kind of thing um, against you. I mean, yeah, it but, would be in a general it would have to be used, not, not in a primary. Um, well, it could be used in a primary. So I, it could, well, it could be the first statement. He didn't defend him fast enough, you know, how our current um Well, no, I mean, if there was somebody running, I mean, who knows? We don't know what 2020 is going to look like. You know, we just don't know, It's on the, especially on the Republican side. Are people going to be pulling away well, from Trump or are people going to be siding with Trump? We just don't know. Yeah, I'm, well, if you're talking about the Republican primary, unless you've seen the pro- plot to Brewster's Millions and you just need to waste some money, uh, I think you'll be running with the most conservative thing possible. And, and honestly, that's probably Donald Trump, um, at least the kind of conservatism that seems to be playing right now. Um, it, it's just crazy to think about. But this is the, the – nobody even even able to get much into the logic, a few people, of – what he actually said and the just the ignorance of the statement. I mean, one, it's just ignorant just because you shouldn't be separating people based on the color of their skin, which was very obvious in the countries he picked. But, you know, somebody pointed out Nigeria. If you look at who comes from Nigeria, the people have far more education. When they come to America, they earn far more. And so the, fact, the, the, the facts of what he thinks yeah. of these people is just wrong. On the merits, right. I mean, um, he says, "Oh, we need 
successful people. He just didn't even know when he talks about many of these African nations. Tim? I, I, I was going to say Chris Saliza uh, has said in, in, in the paper this week uh, that this is Trump's absolute low point uh, since he first announced for president. Um Boy, that's that's a low bar to get to. I, I, I do y'all think this is the lowest thing he's done to this point? Oh boy, um, I, I <laughs> that'd, that'd be like saying, Tim, that'd be like saying, Captain, you'll have to stay with me on this one. That would be like saying, Hey, what do you think the low point was for the Cleveland Browns franchise over the last five years? Uh, I mean, it's yeah. there's been it's like he he drops in a well. Every few uh, months, and so um, which one was the lowest? I, I don't know. It's just been <laughs> hard to tell. The other piece of um, the other piece of this thing that I think but, is really interesting is that he was right, we were right on they were right on the edge of approving um, the budget or at least the continue uh, continuing. There was a lot of things like in the works that everybody was starting to agree on including some kind of solution to DACA. And then he does this, and the whole thing blows up in his face. And this has happened time and time again. It's like, it's almost like he um, he can't he can't win for losing. You know what I mean? Like, he's right on the edge of, like, making some deals, and then he blows it. Like, he just can't keep his mouth shut. It's really, I think it's really interesting well, that he, he well, just, like, you know, destroys his own success. Well, it's an astute point that you make that the timing was terrible, but it, it you know, speaks to one big character flaw, and that's the, the lack of um, just wanting to read. Because honestly, if you want to make a plan, a long-term plan, you've got to write it down, or you have to have an advisor write it down. Then you have to read it to where you can follow it. And, and so I don't think there's any long-term well, planning because – he can't read or or, or just you chooses not to read or write enough to follow that kind of planning. Well, you know what? It was him who said, you guys uh, make a deal and bring it to me and I'll sign it. Okay, they made a deal and brought it to him. And he does this instead, so he lied. I believe <laughs> I'd have been sitting there, I'd have said, you know what? You lied. You lied. Well, that's, yeah. that's what you did. You said, you said that, uh, you know, you'd sign it, and here, here's the deal, and you know, sign it. But instead, we ended up with this comment about black countries and stuff like that, and let's have people, and, more people from Norway. <laughs> Um, right, and the people, by the way, people who come here to work from Norway, they don't become American citizens. No. They keep their, Nor- I mean, not. I, I, I'm making a generalization, but, you know, they have much better, I mean, it's just a, it's just, you know, they have health care, they have, um, you know. Free much college. Different, free college, a much different mm-hmm. um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Government and um, services available to them, but it's also a much smaller and much 
more insulated country than we are. I mean, it's very, you know, it's, you know, mostly Norwegian. <laughs> well, but, I know. Okay, so I think it's interesting that he picked Norway, though. That's, that's such a weird country. Yeah, everybody noticed that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, Maybe, I mean, Catherine, that's what's so amazing. You, you're not president of the United States, and you know all this about Norway. And most of us know a little bit about Norway. Donald Trump's president of the United States has all this information at his disposal, has people that will go find it, whereas we have to go find it ourselves. And yet well, David, he picks out one thing, the color of the skin. Um, that's yeah. it. That's, that's it. That's what yeah, well, he that's knew true. Norway yeah, I mean, was the white. Norwegians are very, very white. <laughs> yeah. Like they're yeah, the white. That's I mean, right. And, and and that's, that's I mean he didn't think about oh well they have this standard of living and in Scandinavian countries in general when they do these happiness ratings they're some of the most happy people on the planet and, you know why is that and I bet all of us knew this most of our listeners know this another thing that that I can't believe he doesn't understand is I've heard about demographic trends throughout the Westernized world including Japan and that those countries are losing population or not really growing naturally because of lower birth rates in countries like Norway um, to where they're actually going to need to bring in more immigrants than they have in the past to be able to sustain their economy and work the jobs. I've heard this. I know this. I'm not president of the United States. Why in the world is our president this uninformed about just basic stuff not to understand that countries, uh, some countries have higher birth rates, other countries have lower ones. If we need to bring in immigrants, are going to be from places that are not needing to keep their own people because of their declining birth rates. I mean, it's just so much science is missing here. Tim, help me out. Well, we, we've talked about this before, too, and this is the kind of guy, first of all, that, that has no background, no experience in, in government of any type. Secondly, this is the kind of guy whose word has always been law and, and uh, people would yeah. always defer to him and tell him he's the smartest man in the room, even when he wasn't because he was either the boss or the richest man in the room. Uh, and so he... he Obviously, got to believing. Well, I'm the smartest guy around, so I can pretty much uh, handle anything. You know, I'm smarter than the generals, and I'm a stable genius, and <laughs> I'm this and I'm that, and and I, 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 I. So, who's going to talk to a guy like that and try to tell him anything? Because he's going to stop him. He's not going to listen. He doesn't want to listen. So what do you do with him? Yeah. Well, you you know you have what you have chaos. So what you yeah, got. and that's what we have, and it doesn't seem to end. Um, let's get into the international how countries are viewing us. That well, there's so many angles from this. But um, right after he said this, he canceled a state visit to um, Britain. Now he claims that um, he said the Obama administration made a bad land deal when they moved the embassy and he was supposed to cut the ribbon. He said, I'm not being a part of that bad land deal, um, moving to bad property from good property on the new embassy. Actually, the George W. Bush administration moved the embassy because the British government wanted us to. It wouldn't matter if it was President Bush or President Obama. We were trying to be a good neighbor to Britain, 
moving our embassy, and apparently there's no strategic value of one location over the other. Oh, no, and there so is. And so he says, oh. Well, I mean, I just admit we were being good citizens by moving, but then he carries on with all this real estate stuff, like you're selling a house somewhere in a neighborhood. And um, But then I, people are saying he doesn't want to go to Britain because he knows that the reaction was already going to be bad, will only be worse now after these comments. Catherine, share what you know. Well, my understanding was that this new location is better for security. That mm-hmm. is, they, they can secure it more more um, easily because it's not in a it's not right downtown like the other like the former embassy. But it was Bush who made this deal, and um, yeah, I think I mean, you're I think that you're right. I think that the there was a lot of concern about protests um, if he did visit. Um, apparently. I don't know if it's the Secret Service or whoever was reporting that there were they were expecting large um, protests and demonstrations, and um, he apparently didn't want to face that, which I can understand. But <laughs> plus, who's going to see him? Like he's not going to get to hang out with, uh, you know, Princess Harry, <laughs> and you know. Or Prince Prince Harry, he's not gonna hang out with. I mean, I, I don't even think the Queen wants to meet him. So no, I, and that's all. Tim Catherine brings him a good royal. Yeah, who's even? It's not just England. Who's gonna want to have him over at this point in the international community? Well, they better have him close by McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, Oh yeah, that way it'd be sure not to be poison while he's overseas, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, Tim. Uh, who is going to want to see this guy uh, in the internet? Have well, him over uh, for a visit. Yeah. I, I, I guess he. I guess uh, he he he's always welcome in uh, Israel um, at the Russia. moment. Yeah, they'd, 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 I'm sure they'd like to have him uh, for a short time anyway. Uh, <laughs> I don't, uh, boy, he, he, he don't, he don't, I, I don't imagine he'd be a, a popular guest at any African country right now or uh, any Caribbean nation <laughs> right at the moment. Uh not sure about Norway. They're probably scratching their heads. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you, you know they don't want to see look up in Germany and see him coming. Or France. Uh, or for France or yep. mo- most of the countries of Europe, really. So I, he's a, it's amazing that we're having to talk about an American president like this. Uh, the person who represents, who is our image uh, to the rest of the world, and uh, no no one really wants him around. Nobody wants to deal with him. Um, I, I, I'm sure that leaders of foreign countries that have to come over here uh, are just shudder at the thought of doing it. Uh, I bet the Pope wouldn't want to see him either. Um so he's 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 running out of places to go. At least he's got his golf courses, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, and and um, I guess uh, maybe you've made such good friends with the 
Prime Minister of Montenegro a few months back that uh, maybe he'll. Oh yeah, later. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That that to me so far internationally that picture, it, even though it's months old now and he keeps doing new things, that picture sums up international relations um, of the Trump well, administration. And I don't know that he Trump. Can get that. that sums up Trump. Period. Yeah, just push this guy away. Look at me, Juddy's out like he's the cock of the walk, you know. Good grief. Good yep, grief. But, but I, now, he does have one group, but they're not overseas. They're in America, mainly in the interior of America, not as many uh, on the coast, and I guess that's the way Donald Trump likes it. That's his base. Now, they're the folks, not even I mean, his base, the leadership base, the Republicans, uh, elected officials. They're not going to call him out. Um, and, Tim, I think you've written a little bit on this this week in Outrage of the Week, and I'm going to let you get to that, and then we'll discuss it afterwards. Well, let me surprise you with my first statement. I, I'm not really that mad at Donald Trump. It, it, it's hard to be mad at someone when they behave as you had expected that they might. I, I'm more disappointed, I suppose. I half-heartedly, like a lot of us, I, I half-heartedly had hoped that, that I might be wrong about him, but, but I was not. He, he's exactly who he appears to be. I do, however, harbor some anger. It is directed at those who endure this man for the sake of their electability and for the success of those they ideologically identify with. Because, you know, I don't know if anybody's thought about this, but Trump hasn't carried uh, on a loan and in a vacuum. He has his enablers. He has them in the right-wing media. He has them among his base of hardcore supporters. He has them on his staff, and he has them among elected officials and those running for office. Now, it's this last group that I reserve much of my anger for. I don't really see much of a compelling reason to bear down on the others. The right-wing media, well, they're simply who they are. Some are shills who are employed to spread their gospel, and others spread out 30 to 40% of their blather. As Newt Gingrich once famously observed of Rush Limbaugh for, quote, entertainment purposes, the base well, that's mostly the true believers, and right or wrong is not really their agenda. Trump, is he's their guy. They believe in him, and they stick with him no matter what. Obviously, most of his staff will be loyalists who consider it their sacred duty to defend their boss against all enemies, both real and, as we've observed, some imagined. And so we arrive at the doorstep of this week's villains. If anyone in this entire country should know better than to allow Trump to openly and viciously mock our very democracy and its institutions, it should be those in government, and in particular those elected to our Congress, and even more specific, those in Congress who are Republicans should be the first to man the ramparts. They should take some initiative, state the obvious, show some courage, and even take some measures to limit or stop some of this tragic nonsense. 
I didn't see very much of that this week from our conservative friends. Uh, I saw uh, Speaker Ryan issue some muted response about something being unfortunate. Well, thank you, Captain Obvious. Trump's words were not unfortunate. They were unacceptable. And I also saw where at least two GOP senators who were in the room refused to even comment when they were asked about it. I saw Senator Cotton, along with our own Senator Purdue, uh, both afflicted with a mysterious hearing loss or, or memory loss of some sort. They issued a joint statement saying they just didn't recall hearing what Trump said. Uh uh, of course, they've amended that today to say that Dick Durbin was lying, and they do remember, and Trump didn't say anything of the kind. You know what? Purdue should have read what Senator Isaacson courageously and correctly said before he issued his joke of a press release. Just a little over a year ago, a lot of these Republicans were saying they could not in good conscience support Donald Trump. They condemned his antics as the clear and present danger to our country that they are. But now, it appears that many in the GOP have chosen for selfish political reasons only to tie their fortunes to that of this president. They've made their deal. They are willing to turn a blind eye toward even the most vile pronouncement and actions produced in the West Wing of the White House, providing they are left free to pursue their legislative agenda on Capitol Hill. Every time something like this week's jaw-dropper occurs, I, I find myself wishing that this would be the low point, that, that nothing even worse will happen or, or be uttered. Uh, those wishes, I, I know, are, are, are futile. Uh, th- this president sinks to new depths continuously. He has not changed at all in the two and a half years since his ride down that stupid escalator started this bizarre journey for us all. And, and we must now face the fact that those who could really do something about this uh, just simply will not. So then, either in the fruits of the investigation by Bob Mueller or the power that comes with victory in the midterms un- until one of those ripen, we, we all must carry on. We, we have forums like this all over the country to tune into on the Internet, printed page, and television. We have to keep our uh, fighting rage and get ready for electoral answers on November the 6th. In the meantime, I, I can't award any points for anything, but, but I can award David Perdue and others like him an outrage of the week, and that's just what they earned this week, David. Yes. Well, Tim, you're right, right on the spot. Uh, they just so many, so many, not all, there's the Jeff Flakes, but so many of them. Um, will not call out Donald Trump for seemingly anything he'll do or says or comes out. Yeah. Um, they're just in fear. Um, Catherine, why do you think they're so in fear? Or do they not care? Um, I mean, it's got to be one. Of the other. 
I think they're, um, I don't know if it's fear or if it's um, just uh, they always support their party. Do or, you know, do or die. Like they're, they find this, uh, it's so important to them that the the party remains in power that they can't, they, they can't, uh, criticize the president. Um, I think it's that. I think, you know, I'm sure there's some electoral fear, but boy, why would you want to be, I don't know, it just seems like, like an uh, an awful price to pay to continue to be a, a senator or a congressman, right? I mean, to have to defend him and or, or uh, um, lie for him. But Catherine, let me throw a question at you. Right here in Georgia, we saw, obviously, very two different statements from our two senators. Uh, Isaacson is really a far more honorable man than our other senator, isn't he? I don't know how else to even ask that, other than to put it out there. I think that's true. I think, But I think... Um... You know, Isaacson is a senior senator. He's been around for a long time. He's uh, not, I don't think, likely to be running again. Um, so he doesn't have maybe as doesn't feel like he has as much to lose. And also, I think he has a little bit stronger uh, principles. Um, I mean, let's be honest. He doesn't usually vote right, but he does no. speak out sometimes. Um, <laughs> So I think it's a, a a difference of personality and, um, you know, I, I think he has less to lose, so he has maybe more uh, gumption, more feels more free to, you know, say what he really means. Purdue, I don't know. I mean, I just think the dude's a, you know, he's a lightweight. I've always thought that. What do you think, David? Nope. What? What do you think about the two statements and the differences in them and the people who said them? Oh, yeah. I think Johnny Isaacson's, you know, finishing out his legacy. David Perdue's trying to make his name. He wants to be around. He's got to run on the ticket with him in um, four years or at least get there and not get primaried. Um, Doesn't seem like there's a lot of room for him to get primaried after the way he's behaved. But I definitely think a lot of these Republicans, it's fear. Um, one, we hear the reports of how they talk off the record about what's going on. But then secondly, did you all see the report about um, Richard Shelby this past week? Richard Shelby showed courage, said he wrote in a name, he wouldn't vote for Roy Moore. Now, I know Roy Moore and Donald Trump are different people, but they're cut very much from the same cloth. And even though... Um, Richard Shelby, who's been in the Republican Party for over 20 years and been a state uh, senator from the state for longer than that, um, he is now um, being – he's saying they're going to come after him in the Republican primary because he didn't stand up for the Republican name on the ballot, and they're going to want retribution. And I think this is a lot of what these Republican senators are fearing 
Not that that's justified because it's not like they have to fear for their lives or some movie where their child gets kidnapped. They might lose elective office and their party might um, just become so far out of the mainstream that it's not a force anymore. But there are principles that should be stood up for. Um, Catherine, I guess, did you see the report about Richard Shelby and, and what did you think of that? Well, I'm not surprised by that, but I guess I just sort of, I mean, maybe I just have higher expectations of elected officials that they um, stand up for what they believe in, and if that means they lose, then okay, like that's part of the game. But, you know, I I know I'm I'm, um, a little bit of a Pollyanna about that, so I get that they want to hold on to their power. Um, Shelby, you know, he he did something he probably knew going in when he made that announcement. Like, there's a the other thing about him is like he he could have done that without telling anyone, and you know, held his own personal principles, but not made a big pronouncement about it. Um, so, but he made that choice. So, you know, you sort of have to admire that in, in, in the little way that I could admire something that he did. And same with, yeah. you know, I Yeah. Tim? Yeah. Um, 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 uh, you, you saw, I think, most of the establishment figures in Alabama really shy away from Roy Moore. They, they showed a lot more courage than Donald Trump or, or or a lot of shills did. They showed more courage than the Republican National Committee did, um, and and just you know, good good for them. At, at you know, that, there's a point, guys, at which your country means more than your party. It always right. should, and you should always choose country over party. I've cast eight Republican ballots in my life in various races for that very reason the good of the country was 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 better than somebody that that was running under my party's banner getting elected so you know uh good good for him i'm glad he did it i wish he did it more <laughs> yeah well now even though this has taken up so much news um, these comments, and they're so abhorrent, they may not ruin the planet or wreck the physical environment in some of our coastal areas, but the other big thing that Donald Trump did very well could, unfortunately, and that is they've approved almost just seemingly unencumbered offshore drilling. Originally, just pretty much anywhere along the American coast, seemingly, when you saw the map. Then Florida was taken off the list. I really did not see if Hawaii was somehow included. Now, there may be one little problem. There may be zero petroleum under the ground uh, in Hawaii, and that that's good because we at least need some place. But anywhere that there might be petroleum offshore, you can drill um, was the move there. Um, could just cause no telling what kind of environmental damage could cause or probably will cause tourism damage, which we know the tourism industry in America had a record bad year this past year in particular with people coming from overseas, uh, but now it could even be hurting domestic tourism if, if you do the wrong things. 
Um, Catherine, any idea uh, you know, why would he do such? Oh, I'm sure it's because he, the oil companies were putting pressure on him. And probably some of the um, leaders in some of the states that want to do offshore drill, drilling. You know, he, do, he doesn't make decisions based on what the best thing is for the environment, for sure. And, um, you know, maybe he wasn't getting the tourism lobbyists weren't able to get to him and didn't have as much money as the as the petroleum and uh, other lobbyists and uh, influencers. Yeah. Tim, um, this offshore drilling, well, I mean, we kind of know why, but, but why now? Why did he make this move? Well, he made this move, I think, think because uh, number one his buddies in the energy sector and number two there's no doubt that this plan was developed by Ryan Zinke the (laughs) Secretary of the Interior if that's what you want to call him he's probably the most anti-environmental uh, Secretary of the Interior this country has ever had. Uh, the, ju- just just what we need is Secretary of the Interior, uh, a, a businessman, you know. And uh, at, at any rate, um, on this issue, one interesting thing has happened. Trump has managed to unify. Democrats and Republicans and in opposition to to this um, I mean the opening of of almost the entire coastal shelf to energy exploration is just going far and away above anything that's ever been proposed before ten New England senators have already introduced legislation to block much of the drilling in in New England. A companion bill was introduced in the House. Uh, Florida raised so much cane that they were exempted. Well, that opened another can of worms. That emboldened uh, a lot of Republicans that had said nothing to oppose this. Uh, Nathan Dale, for instance, is opposed, and, and there's 14 other uh, coastal governors, 15 of the 23 coastal governors in this country, now outright oppose it. This is political dynamite. There could be legal problems if they exempt Florida and then other states that are asking for the same exemption uh, don't get it. Uh, Zinke's trying to tell everyone, oh, it's going to it's gonna be a year-long process and we'll talk this out and we'll do this and we'll do that. But uh, I, I think they've got uh, something on their hands here that <laughs> that a lot of uh, Republican lawmakers don't want to deal with with the midterms coming up. Yes, I, I just had some... Just something that if something happens out of it, there is another oil spill somewhere. I mean, we just can't put that genie back in the bottle. And then, well, uh, and, and you're and Tim, you have a great point about Florida. Um, if Florida is able to get out of it, then can other states sue? Could this thing be entangled in court long enough 
that it could just not That's happen. That's exactly it where it's going to go is yeah, the court exactly. because they're going to have a hard time saying that they did not exempt Florida and all of its electoral votes that Donald Trump needs in 2020 for political reasons. Why, of course, that's why they exempted them. And you, you legally cannot do that, uh, which he's going to find out to his chagrin. Um, so uh, maybe, maybe this thing will never see the light of day. I hope not, imagining all the people that vacation at Cape Cod and all of them looking up and seeing oil wells going up within sight of the beach and stuff. Like that. Oh, goodness. Good grief. Oh, this guy yeah. gives me um, a headache. Well, well y- y- y'all mentioned, um, or Tim, you mentioned that, you know, he needs the electoral votes in 2020, although he's figuring out so many ways to, to just tank in Florida between what he did in Puerto Rico, the comments against Haitians, um, and, and just in general how he's doing uh, most everywhere in the country, uh, that may get hard anyway. But there's another thing. There's a Senate election in 2018. I have never fully understood why Ben Nelson is seen as vulnerable, although Rick Scott, because of the hurricane, we were told, is uh, more popular than he's been in his, pre- in his governorship. And they're trying to recruit him to run for governor. And if he were to run, then obviously if he could keep the oil wells off the coast of Florida, then um, that would be a feather in his cap. Catherine, do you think that even this could help Rick Scott win? I mean, I shouldn't say help. Do you think that this could cause Rick Scott to win in Florida in 2018, which is going to be just a really uphill year for any Republican? Um. I, I mean, it might help him, but uh, I don't, I don't see it being the single, you know, the silver bullet to get him elected. I don't see that. With all the other yeah. things, I mean, Tim? maybe he. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was talking. Well, he. Go ahead, Tim. Is. He's being recruited, first of all, because he would be like an A-list recruit. He would be a very, very formidable opponent. Uh, For now, he's just remained silent on the subject. Um, They... Uh, they even asked him after that Alabama race they, uh, if, if, you know, what happened over there would factor into his decision, and the answer was stony silence, no comment. Um, I think it. I think he's keeping it open as an option. Uh, Nelson thinks that it's going to be Scott. The latest polls have him within a point or two of each other, um, depending on which poll you look at. Uh, there was one came out that showed Scott ahead by 10. There was another one came out and showed Nelson ahead by a point. But uh, I think I think Scott would be a very formidable opponent. And I, I, I don't – this thing – 
if he pulled it off and Florida did get his exemption, of course it couldn't hurt him. It it, it could only help him. So. Yeah, I've heard that Scott was thinking about not running. I think his gut is telling me what my gut's telling me. This is just not a year you're going to win a state like Florida against an incumbent who's relatively popular, maybe not most exciting politician, but maybe that's what some people want. Um, and it's just not in the cards, but I guess they're trying to do anything to find any state that they can pick off to ward against states they may lose like Arizona, Nevada, and possibly even Tennessee. But I just – I don't see it, and I've never fully understood why Bill Nelson's at all vulnerable. He's been there since the 90s. Um, but there's something that there. And remember early on in the – why? Because he's boring, you think, Catherine? No, because he's been there for too long. Been there for too long? Maybe. Uh, yeah, that's uh, – They seem to tire quicker. Yeah. David, I just think he, uh, Scott would be a strong opponent, regardless yeah, that, of who he was running against. Now, that's another thing. Remember the first half of his governorship, the first term, Rick Scott was not popular. There were faux pas with Rick no. Scott. His approval rating never would go very high. And in this second term, he's doing better. I know the hurricane thing helped. The hurricane, that, that makes it sound trivial. But his response to the hurricane was gubernatorial. Well, and he's properly. had some outside um, help. The, the continued improvement of the economy ha- has helped him and taken that off the table as an issue down there because with the improvement in the economy, things like tourism have come back uh uh, and his performance on high-profile things, like his handling of the disasters and his handling of this thing with the offshore drilling, they've been very popular moves. And it's kept him in the news in ways that Senator Nelson couldn't be in the news. It's it's easier to be in the news if you're one of one than if you're yeah. one of a hundred a thousand miles away. So. Yeah, and and um, uh, left me what I was thinking, but um, it, something's happened obviously to Rick Scott to change. The now, of his- there there is one thing that could really talk Scott out of this. If we see a wave building, you know, landslides don't stop at state lines. Oh, I've never seen them do it. And even a guy like him who in a normal year could win, if he's facing a wave, he may decide he doesn't want to do that and 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 not run because even somebody like him, very popular with the voters, uh, if he's facing a wave and, and the wave is coming from the other party toward him, he might get swept away by that wave. So, you know, that that might be what finally makes him decide if he's going to run or, or not. He's going to look around and see the lay of the land nationally. Or that's uh, Because I believe that the congressional elections are going to be certainly nationalized uh, this year. Yeah. Yes. Well, the next um, and probably last topic of the night, um, talk about a Senate race we didn't think we'd talk about. The Maryland Senate race. <laughs> ben Cardin, um, Democratic incumbent, once again, not a real colorful make his news 
senator is running, and he's going to have a primary challenge from Chelsea Manning, who was a pardon last year um, after leaking some documents to WikiLeaks. Um, Catherine, what do you think is going on here? I think Chelsea Manning is, is uh, you know, stretching her muscles a little bit. And, uh, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I'm always a little hesitant about primaries, but I think if you're going to run, now is probably a good time if you're going to challenge someone. I always have a lot of admiration for people who, who decide to run for office, so I can't criticize her. Well, and, and my thinking is, is it was real, like, I don't know if y'all saw Saturday Night Live news last night. Um, Michael Che goes, you know, why can't we just have a boring uh, candidate, a boring politician, somebody run to the mill? And and you do have to wonder, is do we not appreciate folks like Ben Cardin enough that are just, just what typical? And, and in 2018 and 2020, is that not going to be maybe a better mold for the Democratic Party to not be just the – we're the professional politicians. We're not looking for the guy that was on The Apprentice. Uh, we just want to, you know, bring the lunch pail, do the work, and, and not make chaos for your life. Tim. Well, I, I, I wish this was not happening. Uh, I, you know, I, I also admire anyone that's willing to step up and run. But Manning is far too controversial and divisive. A figure uh, plus Ben Cardin is a good man. Um, it, it, I, I think Manning is, is pretty much like Don Quixote uh, jousting with windmills here. Uh, and then there's the fact that he's a or, or that Manning is a convicted felon. Um, so I, I, I kind of wish this was was not happening, and I, I don't think Manning will get very far with this challenge. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, isn't, isn't this person simply using their celebrity to promote themselves? And that's about yeah, all they got going for them. Yeah, I had no idea um, that Ben Cardin was even up, if you will, because it's just I, I'm, I'm so focused on what can we take back? What do we, are there any? Is there anybody we really have to defend? And Maryland's usually not a state you think about. And if somehow Maryland could be put in play because it's now an open seat with a um, controversial figure that, um, and I don't know all the ins and outs of the case, but if there was a conviction, that can and will be used against her in the court of public opinion. I'm sure. Um, and so to me, it just seems like a risk mm. as a party I don't want to take. Now, I know a lot of times when candidates get into races, they're they're looking out for themselves. They're not looking out for my or any of our interest as an um, out-of-state Democrat. Um, Catherine, do you think, what do you think the electoral implications are? Um, I, you know, I haven't, I haven't, like, given it. You know, hours of thought, but um, I, I don't know what drive. You know, you never know what drives people. It could be that there's some issue that um, is is very important to Chelsea Manning, 
that she doesn't feel like Ben Cardin is handling well, or she's got people around her who are encouraging her to run. So uh, I just don't think that, uh, I mean, I, I agree that this is a tough, could be a tough year. It's an important year. And it'd be nice to not have primary challenges where they're not necessary. But at the same time, um, this maybe this looks like the best opportunity for her to do what she wants to do. So she's going to go for it. Uh, um, the electoral implications, I, I'm not sure even what that means. You mean, you know, what would happen if she won the primary and then she was a, you know, provocative candidate? Would that, you know, somehow weaken the party in, in Maryland? I I doubt it. If she won the primary, then she would be be entering with strength. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I think you're probably right. Whoever said she probably won't get very far. Um, but I know I'm not really answering your question. I apologize. Yeah. I, I just I just think, I mean, you know, we look at Roy Moore a controversial figure who stood up for what he believed in. Now, we think he, you know, crazy, and he stood up for 100 years ago. I mean, he's just out of step with the times. But I think, you know, some people of the right could say, oh, well, controversial figure, even if she stood up for what she believed in, she committed treason, even though she was pardoned, da-da-da-da. Do we need to keep – I mean, do we need to do something the Republicans are doing by nominating controversial figures – um, where we don't have to, because Maryland's about as democratic, probably not as democratic as Alabama is Republican. Tim, I, I just I'm really uncomfortable with okay. comparing Chelsea Manning to Roy Moore. <laughs> I mean, I think that's well, but you see, I'm outrageous. saying as a Republican. I mean, as a Republican, I, I mean, I know what you're saying. Somebody, yeah, I, 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 yeah. It's just I think it's beyond the pale. Well, I mean, Tim. Well, I, again, want to remind everyone that Chelsea Manning's a convicted felon. Uh, there's a strike for me right there. And the second strike is Chelsea Manning is choosing to run against uh, a good senator, a good, a good solid truth. We don't need a change right there at all. Uh that's why I'm hopeful that all Ben Cardin has to do is what they uh, said for years Birch Bayh had to do in Indiana to win, which is pay the qualifying fee. <laughs> uh, yeah. But because I think his performance as a two-term senator has certainly earned him a third term. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I've, I've got to say I wish Senator Cardin well in this race. Yes. Well, and this is the kind of topic, if it becomes something, we'll end up discussing it again. If the poll comes out and it's uh, 70-20, then it probably won't make our uh, topic list again. But until <laughs> next week, that's been the Cudsy Vine. Okay, good, good night, night, guys. Good everybody. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our...